Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 206 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined this week by... Uh, by occasional panellists, the former WBO super featherweight champion of the world. It is, of course, Mr. Barry Jones. Barry, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm okay, but a little bit cheesed off because I saw an interview the other day with Regis Progre, and he has a lovely T-shirt on <laughs> that said boxing, whatever your podcast is called. <laughs> Box hard, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump in. I'm so enraged I couldn't even get the words on. The Box Hard podcast. I said, where's my T-shirt? Listen, I've got one here Give with you guy- on it. I just didn't think you were a T-shirt yeah. man, Barry, to be honest. I, I wear clothes. <laughs> just because I'm from Wales doesn't mean I don't wear clothes. I do, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm all good. Thanks for having me back on. It's always a pleasure. It's always yeah. a pleasure from me also. We go, we go back a long way now, mate. We do. We do. A long, long way. A long way. A long way. Blissful years. Almost, almost friends. <laughs> <laughs> but starting though with the review, <laughs> the review part of the show, uh, the Tuscany Hall is where we're going to begin here in Florence, Italy. The match from Italy show. Couple fights to mention on the bill. Um, we got Luther Clay, obviously a, a guy fighting from uh, well out of Bracknell with with Al Siesta. Eleven and one his record, but you know he's he's a good fighter, a lot of promise, very very difficult style actually, and he showed it here against the undefeated Italian uh, Dario Morello. Fifteen and zero was Morello, but the unanimous decision in favour of Luther Clay, very very wide across all three cards. Um, Looked like he was actually going to get the stoppage as well at parts of that. I think he may have even got a knockdown. I can't even remember it too much. But um, very dominant win there from Luther Clay. Also on that bill, we got to see Davis Boschiero, a guy who, you know, he's boxed a few up-and-comers kind of thing. He's got one of the most padded records I've ever seen. 47 wins, 6 losses, and 2 draws. He actually scored a, a TKO in 8 rounds against um, the, the undefeated 9-0 and Ivan Thomas. I'm guessing he must have been pretty padded also. That one was for the vacant IBF Intercontinental Super Featherweight title, but the the main attraction really, um, Orlando Fiordigiglio, I think it's said, 31-2 and two going in against our very own Sam Eggington, obviously, um, Eggington, you know, you'd, you'd probably say his best days were behind him, you know, defense isn't his strong point, obviously, in his, in his last kind of big fight, he just got demolished really by Liam Smith, who is a few levels above, to be fair, to Eggington, but anyway, he stepped in here, 26-6, um, and six, uh, the IBF International Super Welterweight title on the line. And Eggington managed to score the TKO in two rounds. He absolutely battered the Italian here. And for the second round knockout, it was 50-1, to 1, the odds there. Um, that was a steal. I mean, I wish I put more than 20 pence on it, Barry, but uh, I was the winner. <laughs> Did you happen to well, see... Well, the thing with Eggington, you just... 
Yeah, I did. I saw, I saw the eggs and I didn't. I didn't watch the rest of it. I have recorded. I didn't watch the rest of the bill. But Sam, he's, he's such a lovely guy, Egerton. You have to. You you want to watch him. You want to. You really. It's a kid. You always want to win. Because to be honest, let's let's get it right. The, the style he has, you know, it, it doesn't really um, bode well for longevity. And you know, you tend to think that he would get exposed at the highest level, and he sort of has at a high level. But I think he's he's gone way above what we thought he would. And and you know, Liam Smith. There's no shame in a loss against Liam Smith, of course. And obviously, Malinaji wasn't the fight that he was. But still a great win, and again, you know, just keeps proving people wrong. Because going away from home, getting a run against anyone, records or not, you know, it's still still a guy you know who's going in full of confidence, thinking he's going to blow you away. And Egerton just showed sheer strength and determination as he always does, and just totally overwhelmed the kid. And I tell you something, those Italians gotta hate Eddie Hearn. He just he he just goes takes his fights over and just beats the Italians every week. It's just you know. It's a bit of a disaster, isn't it, for, for the Italian group? I don't know whether it's a, it, it doesn't matter. It's all about just getting the content out there or whether they're trying to build a proper camp over in Italy. But he's, um, it just seems sort of like cannon fodder for British fighters going to get wins abroad. I and mean, that's what it's proven at the minute. But Egerton, you've got to be happy for him. He's a lovely kid. And you know, I don't know where his career goes further on from here. But in this crazy climb with the boxing, who knows where he might end up. Yeah, because I heard that, um, I haven't double-checked this, but I heard that that guy, the Italian, had a real high ranking with, with the IBF. And I think maybe number one and number two in the ratings aren't even listed. And I think he was, like, maybe number four. So if Eggington was to take his ranking, next thing you know, he's got an IBF world title shot. So, yeah, um, it is what it is. Funny things happen in boxing. Moving out now to Germany at the Sport Hall in Dorf-Mecklenburg. Um... Prince Patel, not not um not not your favourite fighter, Barry, but he was in a he was in a... I, I got I gotta go. I gotta go, sorry. I'll speak <laughs> He was in a tough fight here though against uh, Luis Melendez, who had a record of forty seven and twelve with one draw, and the Prince actually picked up a KO in the fourth round, now twenty one and one with that one draw. Uh, moving on swiftly, let's let's go now to the Auditorio del Estado in Mexicali, Mexico. Um Golden Boy promotion card here. Joseph Jojo Diaz picked up win number 30. Of course, he's got that one loss to Gary Russell Jr., who has posted a bit of a, um, well, a bit <laughs> of a stupid video, if, if, if I'm being honest. He's a friend of the show, Gary Russell. And I just want to say, um, you know, I was quite shocked by what he by what he put out, because that's not really him. I don't really get that vibe from him that he's a bad guy, but a bit distasteful there. But anyway, back onto the fight. The opponent, Jesus Quadro, now 18-6. and six. Um, Quite surprised to see it was a majority decision over 12 rounds for Jojo Diaz. I thought he'd absolutely blow this guy out, but I think Quadro was quite a tough guy looking at his record, but I hadn't really heard of him before the fight. I just had a little look and... Uh, he was a tough guy. Uh, moving out now to South Africa at the Emperor's Palace in Kempton Park. Um, a cruiserweight to keep an eye on. Kevin Lorena, now 24-1. and one. I think he's been on Box Nation a couple of times, Barry, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, he has, yeah. 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 It, was, it was a defense of his IBF world, uh, sorry, IBO world cruiserweight title against, obviously, former Tyson Fury opponent, Sefer Seferi. Um, well done to Lorena. He managed to get him out of there in three rounds. Sefer Seferi now 23-3 and three with one draw. Uh, moving out now to the Rabobank Theatre in California, USA. Um, a decent little card here, actually. Uh, probably the, the best action, really, of, of last week. Um, 
yeah, Thomas Delorme managed to get a, a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds against the previously undefeated Terrell Williams. A good win there for Delorme. Um, it was a good action-packed fight as well. And also on that undercard, Peter Quillen, Kid Chocolate, managed to lose, actually, a split decision over 10 rounds to Alfredo Angulo. Um, I mean, that's a complete shock to me. I felt like Angulo was well over the hill a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, people say that Quillen's shot and stuff like that, he's over the hill. But he's still only got, well, until this fight happened, he, he only had that one loss to, to Jacobs. It wasn't like it was a fight where he took loads and loads of punishment. It was over in a round. And um, he's kind of been a little bit semi-retired since then. He's been very inactive. But I still thought he'd have way too much for Angulo. But no, um, Angulo gets it there, like I say, on a split over 10. Quite quite shocking, really, for me, Barry. Maybe you're not as surprised. But to see the decline of Peter Quillen happen so no, I am. Well, well, inactivity is, is a killer in, in, in any sport, but more so in boxing. I think because Quillen, you know, started so promisingly. Did he beat him down, didn't he, to win his first world, to win the WBO title? But that's when he couldn't come to Providence. You know, you know and Dam then was was a really, was a really good fighter, with great movement, and and pummeled him. You know, just couldn't you know, undamped it well. Just kept knocking him down, and you thought this guy might be a little bit special. And he just, had, I think, he just delivered. I think he promised so much and delivered. And even though he was a good fighter, you know, a really good fight with with Andy Lee. Obviously, that ended up in a draw. Got a box for most of him. We could knock Andy down a few times. You just, no, Daniel Jacobs obviously turned out to be a better fighter than than, than anyone thought he was going to be. A fantastic um, operator. But Quillen, just for me, I think it was even though he's been a world champion and boxed at a high level, I think it's a relatively wasted career. I think that's how, how highly I rated him at one point, but. Angulo was being shot for a long time, and he was just, to me, he, I thought he was just cannon fodder for, for, for prospects on the verge of world title fights. That's what I thought Angulo was going to be, be sitting, but now he beats Quillen, and who knows, he might get a world title shot now off the back of that. As crazy that, as crazy that may sound. Yeah, for sure. And uh, also, I should mention on the card, a guy called Chris Colbert, now 13, and now he managed to get a knockout in the very first round against Miguel Beltran Jr. That's arguably knockout um, of the year material, actually, so shout out to Colbert there. And also on the undercard, Gary Antoine Russell, obviously one of the Gary Russell brothers, um, now 11-0, a KO in the first round against Luis Ronaldo Castillo, who's now 20-5. Um I believe it was a body shot that actually uh, ended everything. Gary Antoine Russell, one to look out for. I think he's the one. I get a bit confused because they're all called Gary Russell, but I think he's the one who yeah. can really punch, actually. Um, could be wrong. Is he the Olympian as is well? He? Is he? I'm getting confused. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. A couple of them, a couple of them in the Olympics, didn't they? One, one, one in the last Olympics, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it is confusion. Such a George Foreman syndrome, isn't it? <laughs> Even his even his daughters, I think, are called Georgina and stuff. Uh, he loves he loves that name. Um, but yeah, also visiting the Four Bears Casino and Lodge in in North Dakota, USA. Usually, we wouldn't talk about bare knuckle boxing, but it's a friend of the show. Um, he made his he made his bare knuckle boxing debut after retiring from professional boxing. I think it was last year. Ishe Smith. He he got in there with a guy. Uh, Estevan Payan, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about him, but a good win there for Ishe Smith over three rounds unanimously. Um, moving out now to the final card to mention from last week at the Woodhouse Park Lifestyle Centre in Wibbenshaw, Manchester. Uh, I think it was a Joe Gallagher Promotions card, this one, Barry. 
Um, just a couple fights really showcases on the bill. Marcus Morrison, he got a knockout in the first round against Edwin Palacios. Obviously, Morrison was one of those guys that went out to Italy and got a brilliant win on that on, on one of those match from Italy cards. And also, Paul Butler, former world champion, seems like he's just constantly treading water, really. But it was his 30th win. He's got the two losses. It was a points win over six rounds against a guy with a record of 8-10 and 10 with one draw. I'm not quite sure why Paul Butler... Uh, he drops down in level so much sometimes, but you know, yeah. a, a good win for him, like I say. Anything to add, Barry? Just to keep him, Sorry. Yeah, well, it's just to keep him busy. That's no, it, that was just a card maybe for Joe to see what's being promoted, but it's to, you got you got so many fighters in his camp, and they can't all top the bills, and they can't all get on matchroom bills. And it seems that's where his allegiance is to, to Sky and matchroom at the minute with his, with his boxers, uh, Joe. And so. He's just keeping them busy, which is you no. Know, this is fair enough. You, know, you have to you know again. I said I already said it just a few minutes ago that an activity you know, can kill a career, and so just keep these guys busy. And Paul Butler's training more than it does seem that way. But the problem he has is at the minute he's below that level of fighters who, who have the world champ, who the world title list. He's below them right now. That's just the way it is. I mean, there might there might be a change in 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 the climate, and he might be of the winnable title again. He's still a good operator, but right now, any of those champions, the ones just lost it as well, like Rodriguez has already beaten you know, the, the the top sort of four and five. You know, beat Paul every day of the week as it stands at the minute. But you know that world boxing super series, you know that that takes place, and it all opens up again. Who knows? You know, people move up up and down in weights, and and he's um, he's right in the forefront again. Or he maybe he's on the tail end of his career. It's still hard to tell where he is exactly, but I just know that you know, at the highest level, he's, he's just not quite there because there's some tremendous talent in his way. He's just unfortunate that the top sort of four or five are, are real top draw fighters. Absolutely. But that is everything for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the final thing to do is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated WBO European Super Featherweight Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Archie Sharp. Archie, welcome back on the show. No, thanks for having me back on the show. No thanks. problem, Arch. So we last spoke back in July, not too long ago. It was just after the win over Jordan McCory. Obviously, your next fight, it's been a bit of a quick turnaround. It happens this Friday. It's going to be against Declan Geraghty at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, what do you know about Geraghty, Arch? Um... I've seen him box a couple of times now against obviously the likes of John O'Carroll, um, uh, who's the other fellow, Tennyson, James Tennyson, and also Mark, uh, Marco McLeod. Um, so yeah, I've seen him. I've seen a bit of him. Good technical fighter, very good amateur. Was a very good amateur. Um, but I just think being 29, I don't, listen, I don't know if he lived to life or not. But I think he tries to box how he was back when he was. 10-year-old, I just don't think he can do it anymore. Um, like I say, he's a good, very good amateur, technical, and he tries to be more te- um, technical as a pro, but he obviously leaves himself wide open as he has been chinned a couple of times. And you mentioned there, you know, he's got those losses to John O'Carroll, uh, he's got the loss to James Tennyson, and, and they both went on to box for a world title. You mentioned also the, the most recent loss, which was to Marco McCulloch, but 
you know, out of those guys there I've mentioned, they've all kind of gone on to make a name for themselves. You know, they're pretty big names now, especially, obviously, Carroll and Tennyson getting their world title shots. I'm guessing you're you're just kind of looking to make a statement here, and this is pretty much, respectfully, but it's pretty much a, a stepping stone for something bigger to get your name on the same level as your Tennyson's and your Carroll's kind of thing. You literally hit the nail on the head. That's 100% what the plan is. Um, like I say, he's a good um, fire. He knows uh, this would be his last sort of chance now to step up for um, a big title shot like this. The WBO obviously gives me a ranking of 10th in the world. So this is his major step up. So I know he's going to be coming um, with no... Well, he won't be leaving no stones unturned himself. But I just do believe I'm the better fire. And I shall be proving that to everyone to move on for the big fights in the new year because like I said the Frank and MTK I don't want to be sitting around I want to be pushing on for that Jamel Heron and uh, Levant Brooks Jr. fight and last time you were on the show, again, you said Jordan McCory had said that you were stronger and more powerful than Sambo. And now McCory has signed yet again to box one of the best super featherweights we've got in Britain. Uh, Zelfa Barrett, that one's set to take place on the Josh Warrington undercard. How do you see that one playing out, Arch? Because we, we're quite lucky to have so many brilliant fighters at super featherweight uh, in the country. And obviously the likes of yourself, Bowen and Zelfa. Um, you know, it's a, it's a toss-up between most fans. Who's the best? But McCory's got a big set of nuts. He's he's boxing everyone. <laughs> exactly that, and, and fair play to him. Do you know what I mean? Uh, he like he he took the ball fight at quite short notice. Then he I, he like said to me, so I got myself in the, in the gym straight after the ball fight and come to box myself. And now he's back in the gym and he's out to box Alpha Barrett. Uh, I've done a few rounds with him after we boxed. If he uh, if he doesn't rush in with um, Zelfabara, I think he can have himself a very good fight there, and I think he could do go um, go on and cause an upset. But it just depends on depends on what style he takes. Because as we do know, Zelfabara is a good boxer, and he's the same sort of style. If someone comes rushing in um, to me, it makes it an easier night's work just to be able to get on the back foot and pick them as they come. And you mentioned there about the Jamel Herrings and, and the, you know, Lamont Roach Jr. That one is set to take place November 9th. Are you going to be staying up to watch that one? How do you how do you see it playing out? I know you've kind of looked into both guys much more now that, you know, they're both fighting for the title. I know that you've kind of, you know, given both of them a bit of attention. How do you see it playing out from what you do know about the pair? From what I do know, I do know that uh, Lamont Roach Jr. is more technical. Um, Jamel Herring's just come off a very good win, as we all know, winning the WBO World title. So he's going to be on cloud nine. And we'd soon see if winning that WBO was not a fluke, because that ain't, that ain't a fair comment to make, because he is a very good fighter. Been to the World Games as an amateur as well. Very, very experienced fighter. But some was questioning his age, some was questioning his ability, but he's gone on and won the WBO World title. And it was just to see if he can stay there. Some fighters, they go and win big fights like that and they maintain it at the top. So it'll be interesting to see how he does with Lamont Marks Jr. As you know, Lamont Marks Jr. is young. I think he's 23, 24, same age as me. Also a technical good boxer. And then we just have to see what he can bring to the table. But I do think it's going to be a good fight and I will be edging for um, Jamel Heron to win the fight. Absolutely, same here. Uh, another fight that's happening soon, uh, December. We're asking everyone at the minute, Arch, about this one because there's lots and lots of mixed opinions. Joshua Ruiz, how do you see the rematch playing yeah. out in Saudi Arabia? I do believe Ruiz beats Joshua again. 
I think it was about time that he, you know, I didn't expect, to be honest with you, I didn't expect Ruiz to beat him. So I'd be lying to say, oh yeah, I knew that was going to happen because I never, I didn't really know much about Ruiz till after he won. And I'd done a bit of research on him and had a little look to see how that happened. And I can, now I can see why that happened. If he just stayed hungry and determined to win, I think he goes out and, and he beats he beats Joshua again. But Joshua has lost a lot of weight, so it'd be interesting to see how he comes out. But I do I've never I've never been a great fan of Anthony Joshua. He's done very well in the business side of things. He's earned himself a lot of money, so fair play to him, credit for that. But I do believe boxing ability was very um I don't know if limit's the right word. Bit green. Limit is, I don't know if that's the right word, but yes, 100%. And obviously the likes of Tyson Fury, I've said from day one, beats all, all is, is the best we've got. And now Ruiz is up there. Um, so yeah, I think Ruiz beats him on a rematch, but I do believe that Fury is the best heavyweight out there. And just a couple questions sent in, uh, well, one question sent in, uh, someone else sent like a bit of a shout-out kind of thing in. Uh, this one's from at Johnny Townsend on Twitter. He basically said just he wants to wish you all the best in your career. He'll be following you from San Diego out in the States. So uh, nice little Oh, touch lovely, lovely. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, no, I much appreciate that. That's a shout-out to him. I much appreciate that. Um, and, yeah, it's nice to it's nice to see um, to have a bit of recognition, especially out there in the States. Yeah, you know, obviously that fight against Herring, if it, if it does happen, will probably end up over there. So it's good to have a bit of support out there already. Um, this one's from at SaidClash07. He says, after a tough last fight, are we going to see another knockout from you on Friday? Um, yeah, I mean, the last the last fight was... Sort of tough. I mean, you you pretty much won everything, but obviously it went to points. Do you see a knockout here, Arch, or do you not really like to predict ahead of time kind of thing? You're not Muhammad Ali. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Far from me. Like, You're Muhammad Archie. <laughs> Muhammad Archie, eh? Muhammad Archie. But no, to be honest with you, it will be interesting to see. Listen, ah, it's definitely possible for a knockout there, but I will not be looking for it. I just make the main thing is getting the win, and like I say, pushing on for the big, big titles. Yes, my last fight was a tough fight, but like, like you said, I definitely won. I probably say nearly all rounds, but it was definitely a tough opponent, Jordan McCory. Um, what would be good is is seeing another style against myself. So obviously, at the minute, everyone seeing the, the Woodstock, the Jordan McCory, they all face first fighters. They all want to come and have a war. I don't believe Declan Saini will come out for a fight. I don't believe that personally. Um, he hasn't really done that any of his other fights, so why is he going to change? But if he does, as everyone knows, that suits me down to the ground. But it'll be interesting to see if he does try to come out and box and show a better boxing skill. And finally, Arch, any closing words at all to our listeners? I always ask you this. You usually send a message just to the guys listening, thanking, thanking them for your, you know, for the support that they've got for you. Any any closing message? Yeah, so like I say, same thanks for the uh, support from everyone. Much appreciate it. Um, and I look forward to putting on a massive show for everyone on Friday. So definitely tune into Box Nation. I believe it's on ESPN Plus as well. Um, and I look forward to putting a show on for you all. It's going to be a great night of boxing. And want to get a good win here and push on for the uh, for the world title shots in the new year for sure. BT Sport is on in it, Arch. It's not Box Nation, is it? Yeah. Um, BT Sport, sorry, yeah, is that what I said, Box Nation, did I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, mate, yeah, BT Sport is on, and I do believe it's ESPN Plus, so definitely stay tuned to that, 
and look forward to putting on the show. Excellent. BT Sport for the UK listeners, and of course ESPN Plus for those guys out in the States. Get a good little glimpse of Archie, anyone that's listening uh, from out there. Get a little glimpse, because you know if, if he comes through this, and of course if Jamel comes through his fight, that's a fight that Jamel himself has talked about. So if the fight does happen, you'll know a little bit more than your friends when the fight gets made. So certainly keep an eye on that. But listen, Archie, it's, it's always great speaking with you, my friend. You know that. Best of luck for Friday at the Royal Albert Hall and we'll catch up sometime after yeah no I much appreciate that and like I say thanks thanks again for having me on um, love being on the show Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part of the show. We're going to start with a card that's happening later today in the Montreal Casino in Quebec, Canada. Um, a guy here called Batizan Dukambiev. Um, he was a sensational amateur, over 200 and uh, 200 and something wins he got. Uh, he fights here for the vacant WBA Continental Super Lightweight title and the vacant IBF Intercontinental Super Lightweight title. His record, by the way, a perfect one, 16 and 0. He takes on the very tough guy, Miguel Vasquez, who uh, you know should have beaten O'Hara Davies in his last fight at York Hall. I think O'Hara Davies was was quite clearly upset, even though he got the win. Um, he was lifting the arm of Vasquez in you know in in disgust, really, that he'd actually been been given a you know a, a, a real favour by the judges. So I hope that you know Vasquez does well here. I'd like him to get some luck. He, he certainly needs it, and he probably will really need it in a fight like this against an amateur as good as this guy. So that's a 10-rounder there. Um, moving over now to the Royal Albert Hall this Friday. Barry, I'm sure you'll be doing the commentary, as always, for the BT Sport card. Let's start with the undercard, though. Um, Dennis McCann, he's, he's really looking good at the minute. Uh, 3-0, a six-rounder, just just against a journeyman, obviously, still coming up. Georgie Georgiev, seen him a few times with a few other prospects. Um, one to look out for for the future, Barry, or too early to tell? Well, like like anything, it's it, it is too early to tell. But you you just go by the experience that you've seen other fighters who've gone on to achieve stuff and what they look like early in their careers, and he has that sort of feel about him. You know, he's explosive. No, I don't think he's going to be the biggest puncher that that we first said he was after his, his debut. I think he, I think he hits hard and he will stop a lot of people. But he, you know, he's not a he's not a I don't think he's going to be a devastating KO artist, but I think the way he fights, he's so aggressive. He's always looking to pounce on you with that big wide stance. That he will get lots of stoppages, and some of them will be good. But he has to just keep honing his boxing skills because I think that's obviously the speed and the foot movements is what's going to make him a better fighter. But he's really young, so it's about holding him back as long as you can, getting those learning fights. But for me, he has the look of, of a of a future star. Absolutely. Um, yeah, hasn't lost a round as a pro just yet. Two first round knockouts and a shutout over four rounds for McCann. Also on the bill, friend of the show, Willie Hutchinson, looking to move to double figures, 9-0 and currently. It's an eight-rounder against Boris Zankov, who's 11-26 and with one draw. Uh, Denzel Bentley, 10-0. and He takes on Kelsey Ball over eight rounds. Kelsey Ball, 10-1. and That's gone under the radar, actually. Good fight there. Uh, a guy that we spoke to earlier on in the show, friend of the show, Archie Sharp, 16 and oh, he's in a 10-rounder against Declan Geraghty, another one that um, has kind of flown under uh, under the radar a little bit. 
Um, Nicola Adams, 5-0, her first defence of a WBO World Female Flyweight title after being elevated to full champion. That's 10 two-minute rounds against Maria Salinas, who's 21-7 and with three draws. And, of course, the main attraction, two undefeated heavyweights, Daniel Dubois, 12-0 for the vacant Commonwealth heavyweight title against Ebenezer Tete, 19-0, 12 rounds here. Barry, I'm just going to kind of throw it over to you for um, any of the fights just discussed. I've whizzed through them. What kind of catches your eye on the on the bill itself? Or just give me a few words on everything if you wish. Take it away. <laughs> yeah, well, well Dan Dubai and Nicola Adams, I think it's easy to predict who's going to win those fights. The Tete who boxes Dubai is a big, massive lump. You know, good record, 19-0. Nothing wrong with the fight. It's a common title fight. You know, Dubai is only, only 12-0. But if you've seen Ted, if you've seen Teddy on on YouTube, which I have, then I don't think Dubois got too much to worry about. But the heavy division is different to any other. And how you how you project the fight? Are you are you in his early stages? You know, are you an experience that he gains? He needs some knockover jobs, and this is it. And I think he had a real good test against Gorman. It didn't turn out to be a test in the end in his previous fight. But the whole trainer and the mental side and, and the nerves going in against a guy you knew. Was coming to win was a good fight. That was, you know, was going to be competitive if he could be. And Dubois was a side to his game which we hadn't seen before. An intelligence that I didn't think he had. So that bodes well. But this fight, I think he does the just uses his physical strength. That solid left hand. He has a beautiful, really strong jab. Not a Larry Holmes jab, which I think somebody mentioned um, this week. It might have been Frank Warren. Maybe he said, yeah, it was, you know, his jab reminds me of Larry Holmes. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's the same sort of jab as Larry Holmes because his is a a real solid Larry was a Greek with the best jab maybe the best jab in, in heavyweight boxing ever possibly Larry Holmes but it was more of a flicking whipping jab and, and I don't think Daniel has that but it's a solid jab it's it's almost like a backhand isn't it it pushes right through you uh, Nicola Adams again I don't think she's up against much I, I'm watching watching Salinas and she's boxed her a few times and she'll give it a go but the movement that Adams has I, I expect I don't but any of those top those top two fights, I don't think they go past six rounds, either one of them, to be honest. But Archie Sharp versus Declan Gerrity is the fight that's going to steal the show for me. It really is. I think Archie Sharp, you talk about you know, this, this, this era of not fighting anywhere at the end of the top, by the assistant like um, Patel did, didn't get to the top, but he got, a, he got you know, on a major TV um, bill for, the, for a minor world title in inverted commas. And I came up short against a guy who was only average at best. I'm not slagging him off, just but he did what he did. But he did what was in his right. He manipulated the system to get a high ranking in in the organisations. But it proved it doesn't do you any favours and get to a decent level. But Archie Sharp hasn't done that. You no, know, he's had one easy fight in his last three fights, a mark time fight. But before that, you know, he boxed two good kids, two good kids who really come to win. He had all the training camps, the mental preparations, and having to perform, and he did. And he got this. He got this again um, Friday night against Declan Gerrity. Declan's beat. I know he got stopped his last fight, but I was there and he was boxing really well. He just got caught. And the chances are Sharp might do the same sort of job on Declan Gerrity. But if Sharp's not at his best, he'll get beat against Gerrity. He has to be at his best because Gerrity's a really clever, talented southpaw who can cause him plenty of problems. So I think that's a fight that's going to steal the show. I think that'll be really competitive. But you have to favour Sharp. So. Even though all the left-hand side of the column you know, are going to win on Friday night, I think you know Dubois is just exciting to see a guy from the beginning, see where he's going to go. They're building maybe a future star. 
Nicola Adams, obviously, you know, she's a she, almost a celebrity status already, isn't she? Adams, so it's good to see where she goes and she has to get look for some more competitive fights if she can find them, but or move up in different weights maybe, which is you know the, the curse of women's boxing. You have to go searching outside your way to find competitive matches. That's just the way it is. But Archie Sharp and Declan Gallagher is is worth tuning in on its own right. Absolutely. And, uh... That that that's easy, that keeps me in the job with BT Sports. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Moving out to France at the H Arena. Uh, got to mention, of course, the, the Olympic gold medalist, Tony Yoka. He returns now 6-0. and It's a 10-rounder against Michael Wallish. Uh, Wallish, a guy with a record of 20-2, and two, a German fighter. I mean, he kind of padded his record up to 19-0 and without really fighting anyone. And then, of course, he got in there with Christian Hammer and he got stopped in five rounds. So it kind of told you a lot there. And then he got stopped right after that in his very next fight against Effia Jaguar, who's looking great right now. So you'd expect Tony Yoka to probably have a bit too much for him. Uh, there's a good fight on the undercard there. Solomon Sissoko, 10-0, and another great amateur. He's in a 10-rounder against Dmitry Mikolenko, 23-4. and So that one could be quite interesting over there in France. Moving out to Germany we like to just give a honourable mention here to Tom Schwartz. He returns to the ring after that loss to Tyson Fury. Schwartz now 25-1 and one. it's for the vacant IBF international heavyweight title against Ilya Mezenchev who has a record of 20-1 and one. um all the best to Tom Schwartz. And another brilliant fight that's, that's, again, gone under the radar. The first fight was a brilliant one. David Avanesian returns to Spain. He puts his EBU yes. European welterweight title on the line against Kerman Leharaga, former holder of the belt, the Bradley Skeet Slayer. Um, Leharaga, 28-1, and one, like I say. Avanesian, 24-3 and three with one draw. Um, it's not an immediate rematch, Barry, because I think Leharaga had one in between. I don't know if Avanesian did. I don't think he did. But um, no, he doesn't. Yeah, initially I can't thought, get a match, can he? Yeah, no. Initially, I thought that Leharaga perhaps didn't want the rematch because I think he had the option for it to be immediate, and he took like a you know a warm up fight in the meantime. Avanesian went out to Spain. He got in the ring afterwards, and then suddenly the rematch was on. Um, brilliant fight. It is, but the same result, I think. I do. I, I think Avanesian just a bit a bit more strength and, and, and confidence to stand in the pocket and get a big puncher. And the Spaniards are huge puncher, you know, he's badly, badly skeet. But watching him prior to the badly skeet fight, I thought skeet was going to do a number on him because as big as a puncher he is, he looks very well, makes loads of mistakes. But someone like Aviesian, who, who's boxed at a high level, is massively underrated, will be comfortable and confident enough just to stand in that sort of range and block and, and slip and make you pay for your mistakes. And I think, for me, I think it'll be the, the same result again. Yeah. The thing with Aviesian is that because he doesn't really have any massive um, following, he's just always going to be a guy who's avoided. Again, politics will play a massive part in his career. I think it has already, and I think that'll continue. He's a guy who could go away from home, take chances at last minute. And, you know, if I if I had a young world champion, he'd be the last guy I was looking at to put him in against. He really would be. Yeah, I mean, you know, all the best to Avanesian, friend of the show, good guy. Obviously, English isn't his, yeah. isn't his strong point at the minute, but um, yeah, tough. It's tough because you're right. You know, the place he comes from, he, he has had to do it hard. He had to go out there and fight, obviously Mosley and Peterson stuff like that. But um, the experience has given him something, and that's why we favour him in this one again. 
Um, moving out now to the Eagles Community Arena in Newcastle. Another another fighter that I've got to mention here. A tremendous fighter, I think, with bags of potential. I think he even boxed on Box Nation. It might have been earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. Thomas Patrick Ward, 27-0 now. But again, he's in with a guy with a record of 15-10. and 10, Yesna Telavera. never heard of him. A ten rounder there again. I just, I just want to see him pushed on a bit, Barry, because wasn't he on an yeah. undercard somewhere I, in America, and he, he looked really good. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that was on a boxing situation. And I can't remember the kid's name now. But then I didn't do the show. I watched it at home, but he did box really well. And and then he just, he just signed with MTK, and that's it's an MTK so I'll be up there in Newcastle on Saturday as well, actually. And so this is his second fight with them, and he had a maritime fight in. Um, in Brentwood, uh, uh, maybe a month or so, a couple of months ago. And look really, and you're good, look sharp. And the one up against much like he's not going to be on Saturday night. But yeah, you don't want to have too many time fights because otherwise you'll become stale. Now, I'm not sure if he might be in this golden contract series that, that MTK got on. That's going to be shown on Sky Sports. Um, 4th of October, I'm not sure if he's, I'm not sure if he's in that. That's a fairy tournament. I, I I don't want to say he's on it until I double check, but I think he might be on in that. It's like an eight man tournament or boxing ten rounders, and I think it's I think if it, if I'm right, like six figures for every fighter, and the winner gets a contact with a major promotion for, or maybe the winner gets a guaranteed six figure contract with a with a major promoter. I'm not quite sure how it works, but it's a, it's a fantastic concept and it's sort of like a prize fighter but over the ten round distance. So we'll see how we go. If he, I think he might be in that. So that, but did he? So just to get another fight, just to get a bit of, you know, get, get the ring rest off is not a bad thing. But it was Newcastle. I went to Newcastle on the last uh, MTK show. Really good, some good, really good. Some young kids, Joe Rose, you know, real good crowd. Please, you know, sells a lot of tickets. Good to watch. I think Selby on Bill. Selby back after after defeat in Mexico, and you know, he got plenty of. Plenty of talent. We know this. This is talent's world class. It's just his application and, and outside of the ring. You know he's had troubles at home and stuff. And if you can get all that right, everything or everything clicks into place, then he certainly is a world beater. Yeah, I forgot to mention Andrew Selby on the undercard. We had him on last week's show. He told me that, but um, I don't think he's listed on box rate. But anyway, yeah, obviously he's on that card. Um, moving out now or moving over now to the final two bills let's start though with this one just a little one here at the Oasis Leisure Centre in Swindon Wiltshire United Kingdom whenever we have a, a guy that's that's boxing that we've had on the show before they remain a friend of the show for life so shout out to Luke Watkins no opponent just yet it's a six rounder there of course Watkins 14 and 2 former Commonwealth uh, cruiserweight champion and moving out now to the final bill at the Staples Center in LA California USA it's going to be shown on Sky Sports for us UK uh, UK boxing fans and also it's going to be on USA Fox pay-per-view in the States so for once we're actually uh, well not for once but sometimes a lot well a lot of the time with Joshua fights we've got to pay for them and uh, the zone and then the American audience get it free this time it's, it's the reverse um Taking a look at the undercard, Fabian Maidana, the brother of Marcos, 16-1. and one. He takes on Ramses Agaton, who's 21-10 and 10 with three draws. The return of Robert the Ghost Guerrero, 35-6 and six with one draw. He takes on Jerry Thomas, who's 14-1 and one with one draw. That's over 10. Uh, good fight on the undercard. Again, it's going to go under the radar simply because there's a lot of action on. But I really like this one. 
Barry. I don't know about you. Josecito Lopez, 36-8 and eight in a 10-rounder against John Molina Jr., 30-8. and eight. John Molina oh. Jr., never in a bad fight. Well, neither one of neither one of those is defensive genius. That's for sure. And Molina is one of those fighters. He reminds me of a camera guy. Just his face is his is his defense. He just blocks everything with his face and just hopes to come back with more. And that's just the way he is. He got those hugs massive, not quite as big as camera guys, but his head's huge, and he just walks forward, takes everything on the on the no everything he can take. He just looks around at you, and uh, so you sort of. Favor Lopez, but you can no. I think Lopez is probably maybe probably more worn than Molina. And that's almost mad. Molina takes more punches, but I think Lopez maybe has quite a. Even though they've got the same sort of records, I think Lopez has a bit of a longer career in many ways at, at a higher level. So I think maybe you know if if his legs are a little bit slower, but Molina, if Other than that, I do think I think Lopez is the better, more skilled fighter of the two, and that's why I would always sort of favor him. It's a cracking, cracking fight. Really yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Hopefully they show it on the telecast. Uh, moving up to the three main fights, friend of the show, Mario Barrios, 24-0, and 0, obviously trained by Virgil Hunter. Uh, he fights for the vacant WBA World Super Lightweight title against Batir Akhmadov, 7-0, and 0, a real good amateur. I think he represented his country in the 2016 Olympics. Um... Yeah, so a good fighter, Akhmadov. That one could be quite interesting there. Barrios, really impressing at the minute. Uh, obviously, still young, still kind of learning, but um, he's looking brilliant. He's looking better and better every fight. Uh, Anthony Durrell, 33-1 and one with one draw. Friend of the show, he puts his WBC World Super Middleweight title on the line against former holder of the belt, the undefeated David Benavidez, 21-0, and 0, another friend of the show. Um I mean, you know, both guys... I like both guys really, Barry. I mean, I've, I've got a much better relationship with Benavidez, but I think as 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 much as I want to sit on the fence, I think Benavidez is a strong favourite in that one there. I do as well. And Andy Navelle, it's weird, because when you watch him, he just... He's not he's not good to watch. He's always quite scrappy. They all are. And 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 you just think, you know, his brother Andrew is a little bit, a little bit more silky than him. That's for sure. He's a good, he's a good boxer and he's clever, but he just always ends up being scrappy affairs for me, and so I've never really been a massive fan of his. And also another guy who just seems to be hang, floating round, gets a shot again. You don't see what, what he's really doing with his career. You don't see many plan or focus to where his career is going. So he is boxing for the world title, so that's obviously where you want to be. But but yeah, I think Benavidez is the one. Though I don't know how. I don't know why. He's not still the world champion. Did he have an injury? I'm not quite sure. I think, he, I think he got caught. I think he got... Uh, this could be... Uh, I don't even want to put the oh. information out, but I think he got caught. I'll, I'll say it in this case. He, I, I do know he some sort of uh, drug... Yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think it was a PED. I think he perhaps got caught doing cocaine somewhere in a nightclub or something. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Barry, you cut out there. Sorry, what'd you say? I said, why wouldn't you? Have a little bit of common sense. You know, this is your career. This is the only way you make a living. I don't understand some of these boxers, because most boxers, if they don't box, they go back to digging ditches or working in a supermarket. You know, they don't go back to the high-paid jobs. You know, that's where we come from, most boxers. No education. Not a very rare, rare box of a trade. So when you get to a good level and you're going to earn good money, why would you risk it by having a line of Charlie or having a spliff or, or you know, or doing 
something stupid that's going to jeopardize. It just makes it makes sense to me. Like it's just crazy. Yeah, it's but anyway, Benavidez is mean, a good fight, then, and I think I think yeah, more tenacity and 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 bigger in his work, and I think he'll grind out a a win, which might not be an entertaining scrap, but I think it'll be competitive. But Benavidez will will prevail. Yeah, not making excuses for him, um, you know, he's obviously a young guy, but no, a tremendous fighter, I mean, someone I think is, he's in really for a shout of, it sounds mad, because he's, he's already been a world champion, if he wins, he becomes a two-time world champion, but I still think a little bit, he's one of the kind of guys you say is going to be the future of boxing because he's got such a brilliant style. I just love watching him. Um, you know, he's been sparring the likes of Canelo and, and Golovkin since he was about 18 years old. He's got so much potential. And like I said, the, the style, I just love his style. He can punch with both hands. Um, I think, you know, he, he said it to me when, when we had him on a few weeks ago. He said once he wins this, once he regains championship status, then he wants to chase after the unifications. He mentioned the likes of Caleb Plant. I think that's a fight that can quite easily be made. Um, and yeah. then he even mentioned the likes of Callum and, and Billy Joe. It's a brilliant division at Super Middleweight because all champions are all undefeated. So we want to see those unifications. Uh, moving up to the final, the final fight. The, the main event, Errol Spence Jr., Barry, 25-0 and for the WBC and IBF World Welterweight titles against Sean Porter, 30-2 and with one draw. Funny enough, Porter has been sparring David Benavidez in the build-up for this one. Not quite sure why, but uh, it's a 12-round <laughs> fight. Talk to me. It's a great fight. You know, we, we moan and groan about oh, back in the day, back in the second half, but this, this is a high-level oh, no, high fight. The quality is going to be tremendous. And, and both will commit as well when they have to. That's not good about this fight. You've got to favour Spence. I think Porter has, has more pedigree at this level, for sure. And, and Porter, by the way, is, is one of the most massively underrated fighters in both day. He really is. You almost do forget about him. You know? and, and I think Cal Brooks' win over him gets better with age. Actually, to be fair, I think you know, at the time we thought oh, he'd, be, he'd be Porter, but Porter, you know, he's Porter that good. Well, he's proven good. He's come back and won a world title and you know, two good fighters. And I think he'll be competitive against Errol Spence. I don't think Spence will have no way, but ultimately, I think Spence, with the way he keeps his shape, almost like that Donald Curry type thing. I know he's a Texas boy himself, that Donald Curry type thing. You know, a solid softball jab. I know Cuddy was an orthodox, but he had a solid, he worked on a solid, keeps his hands nice and high. That he'll dab through some left hands every now and again. Just, I mean, I think he'll just throw Porter down enough to make Porter, and then, but I think the wrong way, Porter to be chasing the fight a bit, start making some mistakes. And, and even though I can see Porter having pockets of success and, and keeping Spence really honest throughout the fight, I think Porter has to get up and throw the win maybe once or twice. And, uh, but I think Spence, uh, but I think he will, will grit his, grit his, but by the time he'll grit his teeth and he will see the final bell Porter, but I think he'll win um, Spence by unanimous decision. And in, in a competitive, but quite easy fight to score, I think. I think that's what it's going to be like. That's, that's my feeling. You no, know, off the top of my head, that's what I think it's going to go. But I think Spence is the real deal, I really do. And I think Porter beats most fighters, even at their best. But I think Spencer's best is uh, is a pound for pounder. 
Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been a bit of a critic, really, of Errol Spence in the past, just simply because a lot of his wins have been against guys that are coming up in weight and stuff like that, um, you know, and he's so big for for one four seven. I mean, obviously, you know, the Kelbrook the Kelbrook win stands out. You'd probably say as his best win, but. You know, we we all know that Kel was coming down, you know, from from the Golovkin fight after that. So I, I didn't. I was I was very kind of um, slow to to kind of put all my eggs in his basket as if he's the best at one four seven. I'm even still a little bit reluctant to say it now, but I feel like this is a real test. You know, Sean Porter's a you know yeah. a true a true welterweight, and um, the one thing I just think the size will play a factor. I think Errol is so big and I can just see, I don't want Porter to box. Please, whatever you do, don't box Porter. Just try and put it on him. That's what you're best at. But I can just see him, you know, walking into a few big shots late on and I can even perhaps see him getting stopped or, or wide on points for Spence. See, I, 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 I can, you know, I wouldn't argue with that, but I, for me, I think, because Paul that is clever and what you know he gets no credit really Paul he should he should be sort of much more highly than he actually is but I think because he can box but you're right you shouldn't in this fight you should you should be nice and low and really put it on Spence and try and get it inside that longer reach but I think he will get off the, I think he will get put on the floor but I think he's tough enough to get up and I think he's clever enough then to use his feet to sort of stay out of the, the trouble a little bit and but I think he because he because he'd be chasing the fight. Trying to try and make up the ground from the earlier rounds. I think I think by about round six there won't be much in it. I think Spence Spence won't be quite ahead quite the same distance on some of the cards, but he'll just be nicking rounds rather. So he won't be dominant in any of those rounds. But I think he'll be far enough ahead for Porter to have to start chasing the fight. Porter will just be missing most of the rounds. That's what I feel. So I think I think Porter can see the final bell, but I think. The latter half, especially that those championship rounds, or you know, maybe ten, eleven, twelve, those those three rounds there, I think he takes a bit of a hammer in, and, he, and it's a and it's pretty much a survival job in those last three rounds. Unless obviously Spence is really struggling for weight, and he, and he, but it is going to be Spence's biggest test, it's Spence's biggest win. But again, you you talk about fighters like prospects, Dennis McCann, they're on. With Spence, you see that superstar potential in him, so you tend to think this is the biggest test. And this is where he's going to step up to the plate and show how he really is and have dominant performance. And I think because he's very pragmatic in his approach, I don't see a stoppage. I see a very, very disciplined display. And he picks him apart and doesn't take any silly risks and he dominates like a Donald Curry. Everything keep your shape. Everything, everything right down the line, down, down the pipe. You know, boom. Every time the guy blinks or makes a move, you, you make him pay with that jab. And if he gets inside that jab, you make him pay with that backhand or the left hand it will be for, for, for Spence. And if he gets in low, you whip that uppercut in. And you answer every move you answer with a good, with a good well-timed, you know, executed punch. And I think that's what he'll do. Little adjustments to his feet. He won't take massive steps, little steps back, little steps to the side. And then I should train him really and get, I should be getting 10% for this. But yeah. I think and that's what you see. I think he's that good. And then you want to see him against obviously against Crawford. Everyone wants to see. I don't know if it, if it can be me because Crawford looks more athletic, but Spence looks more disciplined. And I think it's a it's a fight, a very hard fight to pick up as well. Yeah, absolutely. I find it hard to argue with any of that. Um, I think he wants a Manny Pacquiao fight next if if he gets through that. But um, uh, yeah, I think that's what you can't see. I hate I hate that fight. Pacquiao's gone on too long. He's going to get seriously hurt. 
whether whether he, whether he takes perform, perform enhancing drugs or whether he doesn't, whatever the rumours might be, but either way, you can keep going on forever. I don't care what you put inside your body or what you're not. Who knows? Allegedly, whatever it is, you can go on forever. And these guys are younger, bigger, stronger, and you know, you're not getting you're getting older. You know, you're gonna get hurt. And someone like Spence will pick him apart. But you, but you. So I don't like that fight. But you can understand why Spence was on that because that's not that's not three million dollars. That's eight million dollars. It's a big jump up. You know, who wouldn't want that fight? But the fight we want to see as fans is a more competitive fight, and I think the Crawford fight is 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 there there Leonard and Hearns. That's a Leonard Hearns fight right there. It's not the same level as that, but it's either that thing you're gonna get. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But that wraps everything up. We've done the review. We brought you the first guest. We've we've. Well, we skipped the news, but there's not really been any news. If anything does happen, I'll mention it at the very end of the show when signing out. I just want to say, Barry, thank you once again for filling in for the uh, the elusive Ayaz Sumra. Um, it's always a pleasure having you on, and I uh, hope to do it again soon. He's always suspicious, kid. Where is he? Where is he? I know, he is. He's always suspicious. He's all the time. Is, it, is, is he won the lottery or something? Is he like a, like a, is he like a, a lottery winner? Like a, a, a Thunderball winner or something like that, and just goes on holiday all the time. That just works with you when he fancies it. I think so. Because he, yeah, it's got to be something like that. Something's going on. He's a dodgy character. <laughs> we, we, we need to investigate him a little bit more. You know what I mean? Have you, have you, have you screened him? <laughs> Who knows what he's up to? You know what I mean? He could have, a, he could eat some sort of jiggle. I'll go around the world, you know what I mean? Thousands of pounds, and you're stuck at home there doing the crafting. Send the sort of act out. <laughs> I will do, Barry. But like I say, thank you so much for joining me. But that is everything. We just we just have one last thing to do, of course, and that is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning and undefeated WBC light heavyweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Alexander Gavosdik. Alexander, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Thank you. Hey, it's brilliant to have you on, Alexander. So, firstly, I do want to just quickly revisit the the Adonis Stevenson fight. Obviously, back in December, you know, you went out there to Canada. Going into that fight, you were the underdog. But talk me through the fight because it was a brilliant technical fight and it was full of action throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I, I heard about it ever since, and I, I'm glad right now Adonis is doing good, and um, I'm glad I'm you know, I'm I'm, I'm glad. Everson in the past, he passed the, all the difficulties, and right now I I, I know he's a 95% uh, healthy person, and I'm glad. Yeah, it's great to see the progress he's making. Obviously, that Stevenson fight was a tough fight. Uh, you know, Stevenson had so much experience. He was a southpaw with big power. But talking of power, yep. your opponent for next month, 100% knockout percentage. Do you believe your fight here with Baturbiev will be tougher than the Stevenson fight, or not as tough? I don't know. It's a, to be honest, it's a tough question because you know Stevenson. I think one more seasoned fighter, and he has a really a better opposition than better beat has. So I don't know. I can I cannot uh, answer your question because they are both punchers, but they are different. If you know Stevenson, more like a tricky puncher. So this guy just coming straight forward. He more plain, but he I think he can be stronger, and he always making a constant pressure on you. So I don't know. We're getting ready for everything, for any scenario. So we're going to try to neutralize his power. And, you know, I can tell you which was uh, harder only after fight. 
Okay. And in boxing, it's rare that we get to see the best fight the best. So whenever a unification fight happens, I'm always very excited. Uh, But obviously, in boxing, there's four belts in every weight division. And even if we see a unification, it doesn't always mean it's actually the number one against the number two. But I want to ask you, do you believe that you and Arta are number one and number two, which would then mean that Bivol and Kovalev are three and four? You know, it's also a tough question because to figure this out, you're supposed to, you know, meet each of those fighters and then you will decide. So we're just making the first step to become an undisputed champion and then the call and Bill is supposed to do the second one and then we we can meet each other in the finals. But, you know, you know, it's it's not necessary if one fighter beats another one and the second fighter beats the third one, it's not necessary that first fighter going to be third one. So it's, it's a boxing. It can be like a difficult you know, regarding styles. So we will see what's going to happen. So there's a saying that there's uh, styles making fights. And I, I think our style is going to be great to make this fight really exciting. Yeah, that's a brilliant answer. And of course, the fight takes place October 18th in Philadelphia for your WBC and Baturbiev's IBF light heavyweight world titles. The winner will then hold two of the major four belts. Is your goal in the long term, Alexander, to get all four of them? Is that what you want to do? Yes, this is my dream. My dream to be a disputed champion. And that's why we're doing this step. And also, it's good for fans. Fans doesn't want to see like a four Russian guy, you know, like reigning in a light heavyweight division and, and fighting some contenders. They want to see the beef, and we're going to give it for them. And how do you see this fight playing now? Obviously, Baturbiev, you know, knocking everyone out that he faces. He showed a tiny bit of... Um... What's the word I'm looking for? Vulnerability, perhaps, when he was on the floor against Callum Johnson, our man from Britain, and and obviously yourself, you know, you can certainly punch. Do you believe the fight can possibly go the distance, or is there going to be a knockout for for someone? You know, everything's possible. I can tell you for sure that I'm getting ready for 12 rounds, and if it's going to be sooner, it's everything can happen. Nobody knows, you know, like, just... Uh, could be an occasion. It's not necessary if two punchers facing each other is going to be a knockout. You know, we will see what's going to happen. And right now, boxing for Ukraine is just electric. It's amazing. Uh, I want to ask you, Alexander, have you got a pound-for-pound pound top five list at all? If so, is Lomachenko right at the top? <laughs> yes, yes, for me, for sure. I admire his talent, and he is probably the best fighter so far. And uh, you will you want me to do my list for pound for pound fighters? So uh, okay, I'll put the uh, Lomachenko in the first place. I would put uh, Terence Crawford on the second. Uh, I would say Usyk on the fourth and the fifth place. And, and fourth and fifth place, it's gonna be. We will know the, the November second how this play is going to be distributed between Kowalow and Canelo. Okay, exciting fights, man, exciting fights. Uh, I also want to get your reaction, Alexander. If you if you saw the Anthony Yard and, and Sergei Kovalev fight, um, what was your reaction to that? Do you yeah. believe Yard has got potential to, you know, to have a brilliant future at light heavyweight? Yeah, he's a really, really good fighter. He's a really young guy, and he already, you know, uh, gave a decent fight to the reigning champion and seasoned champion as the Kovalev is. And, uh, yeah, I think he, is, he has a good potential if he's going to make a right conclusion for his last fight. 
and uh, keep going forward, he could be a future big thing. And the last two questions I've got for you, Alexander. Um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit here, but I like to ask this question to everyone that we speak to from all over the world. Um, who would you say, who who springs to mind when I ask you, who's your favourite UK fighter of any era, all time? UK fighter? Oh, it's a difficult question, you know, like, uh, <laughs> to be honest, I'm not really familiar with the old UK fighters. That's okay. That's why I would pick Anthony Joshua, because uh, sorry for my ignorance, no, but okay. I, <laughs> yeah, I would say Anthony Joshua. But you know, like I, I, I like Chris Eubank, I like Joe Calzaghe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I like Ni- Nigel Ben a lot, but I, I don't know who was the best from from those guys. Maybe Joe Calzaghe. Yeah, I mean that's you. You've listed enough brilliant names there. How do you see the Joshua Ruiz fight playing out, the rematch in Saudi Arabia in December? Well, I think, to be honest, uh, in, on the first side, it seems to be easy for Joshua because something happened with him in the first fight. I don't know what exactly. Maybe it was the pressure. Maybe it was a start strike. Maybe he like earning too much money and losing motivation. But something was wrong with him. He wasn't looked like him. But I think right now. Uh, the rematch, I think Joshua is supposed to win, but I don't think he's going to destroy the guy in, for a couple rounds. I think it's going to be a competitive fight, but then eventually Joshua is going to win either decision or a stoppage in the late rounds. This is my prediction for this fight. But I don't know. Everything can happen, you know. That's why we love boxing. It so also much. depends on Joshua's mental condition for this fight. Yeah. How it's affected this, uh, the, the, his uh, loss to this guy in the first fight, how it can affect him in the second one, his mental uh, state. Yeah, big point, because obviously a, you know, a loss can make you or break you. Brilliant point, Alexander. And finally, have you, got any, yeah. have you got any closing words just to our UK listeners? You've got a lot of supporters over here that are supporting you and are you know, wishing you the best in this fight and all the fights afterwards. What's your message to your UK supporters, Alexander? Hey, hello, all my UK supporters, and uh, I'm glad you're watching me. I'm glad you're supporting me, and watch my fight October 18th. It's gonna be exciting. I fought in London in Olympic Games. I know you're the best audience, and uh, <laughs> that's it. Just looking forward. We have a lot of things in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that message, Alexander. Listen, it is an absolute pleasure speaking with you, my friend. I wish you the best of luck for October 18th, and hopefully we can speak sometime after the fight, my friend. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, and this wraps up episode 206 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. The former WBO Super Featherweight World Champion Barry Jones has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to... All you guys listening, and also, of course, our two guests this week, the undefeated WBO European Super Featherweight Champion Archie Sharp and the undefeated WBC Light Heavyweight World Champion Alexander Gvozdik. We are doing predictions on two fights this weekend. Those two fights are Spence vs. Porter and Darrell vs. Benavidez. You, the listeners, have voted for Benavidez by knockout and Spence on points. I agree with both of those. Um, Ayaz doesn't see a knockout in either fight. Uh, He sees Spence on points like like we do but he also sees Benavidez to get a points victory instead of the knockout so 
that is what he's going with. Uh, the news. Billy Joe Saunders will now defend his WBO super middleweight world title against an opponent to be named in the coming days. That will be on the KSI vs. Logan Paul 2 undercard on November 9th in LA. Uh, top rank have signed the heavyweight contender Carlos Takam on a co-promotional deal. Uh, Dimitri Bivol defends his WBA light heavyweight world title against Lenin Castillo on the Usyk vs. Spong undercard on October 12th in Chicago. Uh, for those that you know, that, that know the name Castillo's a guy who fought uh, Marcus Brown, and he actually put him down, but he ended up losing. It was the fight before Brown went on to beat Badu Jack for the world title. So I, I can't really see Bivol having any problems beating Castillo. And of course, finally, uh, one of Govosdik's favorite UK fighters, Nigel Benn, returns to the ring on November 23rd in Birmingham against the former world champion, Sakio Bika. Uh, by the time Ben gets in the ring, it would have actually been 23 years and two weeks since his last fight against Steve Collins back in 1996. Boy, oh boy. Don't you just love the craziness of boxing? You never know what's around the corner. But that is about everything from me. Thank you all for listening once again to this week's show. Remember to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. And we shall see you all again next week.